Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere, like at your pregame barbecue. While you prep your meats, that grease trap you forgot to empty is prepping to smoke your porch, garage, and the car inside. And without the right home and auto insurance coverage, the cost to repair this could eat up your savings. So bundle home and auto with Allstate to save and get protected from mayhem like this. Bundled savings variant are not available in every state. Coverage is subject to policy terms and conditions. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7, U.S.-based, live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Warning, this product contains nicotine. Nicotine is an addictive chemical. Black Buffalo products are intended for adults age 21 and older who are consumers of nicotine or tobacco. If you're an adult age 21 and older and use nicotine or tobacco, I want to tell you about Black Buffalo's award-winning nicotine pouches. What are they made of? Cured edible green leaves, food-grade ingredients, and pharmaceutical-grade nicotine. No tobacco leaf or stem. So if you're 21 and older, consume nicotine or tobacco and want to join the Black Buffalo herd, head over to blackbuffalo.com to learn more. You can order nicotine pouches online and they ship directly to most states. Or check out their store locator to purchase pouches at thousands of retail locations around the country. Black Buffalo Tobacco Alternative. Bold flavor, full pouches. You know our trusted partner TireRack.com for their fast free shipping free road hazard protection, convenient installation options, and their great selection of best tires, like the highly consumer-rated Yokohama Avid Ascend LX. But did you know they sell other automotive products? Wheels, brakes, suspension, just to name a few. Go to TireRack.com slash Colin. TireRack.com, the way tire buying should be. What's going on, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of Three and Out with John Middlecoff on the Colin Coward Podcast Network. Back at it again. A lot going on. You know I'm going to dive into the Rams-Patriot trade. That, that really got uh, my juices flowing. I, I, got a, I got a couple hot, hot, scorching takes on that bad boy. Uh, there's, there's a lot going on draft-wise. We're really not very far away. Uh, some things that Jim Mora, Josh Rosen's head coach, ex-head coach, fire head coach said about him I'll, I'll dive into that and all four of the top quarterbacks are going to meet with the Browns and I, I've been a part of those top 30 visits those in-house visits before the draft and give you a little insight on that but as I said if you subscribe rate review on iTunes and you leave a question I will answer them on this podcast and I got I think our first question here from Mike in South Carolina pretty easy question what do you think Patrick Mahomes 2008 stat line, 2018 stat line will look like? And, you know, I think it's pretty simple. His last two years in college, he threw 25 picks. He's going to be a quote-unquote old-school gunslinger. I think that's why Coach Reed likes him so much and Brett Veach. Uh, but he's going to throw a lot of touchdowns. And they have with Sammy Watkins, Tyree Kill, Travis Kelsey, Kareem Hunt. They're loaded. I wouldn't be shocked to see them even draft a, another skill guy in the draft. That's Coach Reed lo- loves his receiver, especially speed. 
So I, I would go 28 to 30 touchdowns, but probably 13 to 15. Let, let's let's beat it 14. So let's go 29 touchdowns, 14 picks. I think he is going to have some extraordinary games, some just eye-popping wow moments. Uh, it's technically his rookie season. I, I know it's his second year, but he only started one game. He, he basically redshirted. Uh, as in college, we say you'd redshirt as a freshman. It's kind of what he did. But he did get the one-game playing experience his, his last game, uh, his rookie year, uh, against the Denver Broncos starters. Now, they were having a shitty year. But he, he looked good. I watched that game. I think he's going to be a superstar, and I, I think we're going to be looking at him and Derek battling out for years in the AFC West. Let's get into my, uh, my first thought on this trade. Uh, I'm going to start with the Rams because I think – Listen, I like gambling. I I bet on sports. Uh, I I definitely love going to casinos and playing blackjack. Uh, That's my game of choice. And I think at times you learn you can be a little reckless on the tables when you're betting. And sometimes when you have a lot of, when you've made some money, you feel like, well, I'm just playing. It's not technically my money because I showed up with, let's say, 500 bucks. And I turned that 500 bucks into 2,000 bucks. Well, in reality, that $1,500 is your money. Like, you can walk away. But as anyone that likes hitting the tables knows, it's hard to walk away. And sometimes you get extra aggressive, you start betting a lot more money, and you can lose it all just as fast as you make it. And my first thought yesterday watching Les Snead, it feels like he's on the card tables right now. He's on a hot streak, and he's just getting reckless, and he's tripling and quadrupling his bets. He started with betting $25 a hand, and now he's up betting two... $300 a hand. He, he's thinking he can't lose. He, he's bulletproof. And yesterday, he traded a first-round pick for a wide receiver. And I say it all the time. When you're evaluating transactions in the NFL, money matters. This is not Madden. You're not just trading a player for a player. I'm not fleecing you in a video game. You're trading for a player in Brandon Cooks. I like Brandon Cooks. I thought last year when the Patriots traded for him, that was a hell of a deal. They traded pick 32. I was like, okay. I, I like that. That's a good That's a good trade because uh, a couple weeks ago, or I guess it would have been far longer than that now, when the Rams traded for Marcus Peters, I didn't love the trade, but from a financial standpoint, Marcus Peters is not making his fifth-year option money yet. He's going to be going into his fourth season. He is still making, relative, I think he's making under $2 million. So from a financial standpoint, you're not taking a huge risk. And... I don't love giving up. They gave up a mid-round pick, I think a a fourth-rounder for Marcus Peters. Then I I can live with that. It's a bold trade, and anytime Andy Reid wants to get rid of one of his top players, I would red flag it, but the money I can live with. What I I can't live with is in this trade, in my last two years, Les Snead has traded for two wide receivers. One, he gave up a second-round pick when he got Sammy Watkins. This year, he gave up a first-round pick for Brandon Cooks. Obviously, Sammy Watkins walked in free agency. This year, you're acquiring a guy that makes $8 million coming off. You know, I still think he played pretty well. He had 64 catches, over 1,000 yards, seven touchdowns. But statistically, he had better years in New Orleans. In a year period, in 12 months, Sean Payton, one of the better coaches of the last 20 years, and Bill Belichick, the best coach in the history of football, both said, nah, I'm good. And reading this morning, Peter King on his MMQB was writing that they tried to extend Brandon Cooks, but they also had a number in mind. They they were not going to make him a $16 million receiver. 
They thought he was $11, $12 million. And no one's better at understanding value in the NFL, arguably in NFL history, than Bill Belichick. He traded pick 32 for Brandon Cooks uh, and acquired him. And then a year later, when the guy did not have as good of a season as he did the year before, he traded him for a better pick than he used. I mean, that's incredible. If I'm Les Snead, what I don't understand is how does it take a first rounder to acquire Brandon Cooks? I, I think that... I say this all the time with the Odo Beckham scenarios, especially with the teams like the Browns at pick four, or the 49ers at pick nine. The thing I struggle with is knowing how much I have to pay Odell Beckham and knowing how cheap that player that I could get at four or nine is and how I have them under cost control, team control for a long period of time at a low number. Well, I don't have that with Brandon Cooks. I have him under a relatively high number this year, eight point, it's almost $8.5 million, but I, I can live with that if he gives me 70 catches and eight, nine touchdowns. But then he's a free agent, so I either have to franchise him, and if you've seen the Rams, they're basically franchising a player every single year. They franchised Tremaine Johnson two years ago. They, they franchised LaMarcus Joyner this year. They're just, next year, if they do not have a deal, now Les Snead said that that they plan on getting Aaron Donald signed, but you never know. He would also be a free agent. You also have multiple players next year. Todd Gurley, you ever heard of him? He's pretty good. Borderline MVP last year. Time to get paid. You have LaMarcus Joyner, who you just franchised. You either have to extend him, franchise him again, do something. Oh yeah, that Marcus Peters guy will be heading into his fifth-year option. Time to pay him. And then Brandon Cooks. Like, eventually, you have to pay all these guys. And I like the Nadamakan Sue deal. It was a one-year deal. You put him next to Aaron Donald. I like it. Aqib Tlaib, love the trade. Didn't have to get, give up much. While I didn't love the Marcus Peters trade, I don't think it's a, it's a killer if it doesn't totally work out because you're not spending that much money and you didn't have to give up that much. This move, you just gave up a first-round pick for Brandon Cooks Look at this. You have Cooper Cup, who should become one of the better slot receivers in the league. Got 62 balls last year. Robert Woods, you resurrected his career. Now, he's going to be a really good third. He got 56 balls last year. Obviously, Todd Gurley had his breakout season last year. Caught 64 balls, so he should still catch 50-plus next year. You drafted last year Gerald Everett in the second round. Let, Let me read you a scouting report I got on NFL.com. They, they do every player that's coming out each year. They kind of do a draft profile on, and they, they get these anonymous scouts or AFC or NFC college directors to give a quote on a guy. He could end up being one of the top pass-catching tight ends in the NFL. Now, even if you're being conservative, and that's a pretty bold statement, you'd say, well, the guy, you take him in the second round, he ran a 4640. He's six foot three. He should become a really solid passing asset for your team. That you go, shouldn't you have used that pick 23? Worst case, traded back a little bit and just drafted a wide receiver at a much more cost controlled number. Where when you know you have to sign Todd Gurley, you probably have to sign Marcus Peters, you eventually have to sign LaMarcus Joyner. Aaron Donald has not been paid yet. What if this Nadamakan Sue thing works out and you want to keep him? Like, the money matters in the NFL. And I do think Les need. listen, I appreciate, and I've said it on one of the first podcasts I ever did here on 3.9, I love aggression. I'm all for it. But there's a little bit of a difference between just being aggressive and being reckless. 
And I think Les Snead is starting to be reckless. Let's get to the other side of the trade. And uh, Bill Belichick and the New England Patriots, which it's hard whenever they make a trade to not immediately go, God damn, Belichick just won again. You know, I, I one of the reasons I was so excited when, when Colin asked me to do this is I've obviously, like many of you that listen to Colin Coward, loved his show, looked up to him as a as a personality and the, and the way he thinks about things because he's helped shape a lot, a lot of my views, and I think naturally a lot of my views were just aligned with his. And one of the things he's always kind of hung his hat on on his radio show was just being unemotional when it, when it comes to players. And having worked in the NFL and seen it, listen, I, I work in the media now. I spend a lot of time on Twitter and interacting with fans and seeing the way people act. And people get very emotional with players. I'm telling you, man, I've worked in the front office. Uh, I worked for Howie Roseman that probably, beside Belichick, is just as apt to trade a player as anyone not named Billy Bean or Daryl Morey. That the emotion upstairs in the NFL building is slim to none. You're always looking to improve. You're always looking to replace. Beside your star quarterback, there really are no sacred cows on a team. You literally would trade anyone for the right value. And that's the way pro sports are. This is a business. And I think a lot of times fans like, the purity of the game. The purity of the sport. No, it's just a business. Like if you're in real estate and you look at, you know, a oceanfront property or, you know, a piece of property in the slums, it's no different than a than a bad football player, than a good football player, than an appreciating asset, than a depreciating asset. It's just the assets in football are your players, are humans. But they're still assets, and this is still a business. And no one's better at buying low and selling high than Bill Belichick. Even Brandon Cooks, who he, I would say, bought pretty high on. I mean, he gave up a first-round pick for, and he warranted it. He was a really good player. And he got seven touchdowns out of him, 65 catches, was really his one. Uh, I mean, Gronk's technically his one, but one of you know Brady's go-to guys this year. He got 65 balls and had seven touchdowns. And then he flipped him off a year that was not as good as the year he had in New Orleans when Bill acquired him for more. Like, that—that that is just incredible. That, that is not normal. And I think Peter King wrote about this. Belichick was open to resigning him. He just had a number. And unlike fans, and I'm telling you, and you know this, a lot of GMs get worried and get in the mode that when they do things that are a little outside of the box, the fans will freak. So they do the the media and the fans and the outside noise. I wouldn't say determines the way actions in football and in the NFL happen, but it definitely influences it at times. It 100% has zero influence on Bill Belichick, and it's why he is the best. He is a cold-blooded killer when it comes to player transaction. He has a number, and he thought Brandon Cooks, 11, 12 million, that's it. Like, I think you're a good player. I understand the market, but this is what we're willing to pay you. They say no, and he says, okay, see ya. And then he's always able to find some kind of desperate team like the Rams and able to flip the guy for a first-round pick that Bill Belichick was not going to re-sign. On top of that, he gets $8 million off the books. What an incredible move. And then he also, when, you know, I I saw a tweet of the main guys that Belichick lost this offseason. Obviously, Brandon Cooks, he chose to trade. Malcolm Butler walked in free agency. So did Danny Amendola. So did Nate Solder. And so did Deion Lewis. 
That's that's a lot of good players right there. I mean, Deion Lewis, best running back, starting left tackle. Danny Amendola, say what you want about him, incredibly clutch player. Made a lot of big plays for the Patriots the last several years in the playoffs. Malcolm Butler, I mean, his story is without Malcolm Butler, they don't have a Super Bowl championship. Two years ago when they won their second Super Bowl, he was an All-Pro in 2016. He was excellent. Obviously didn't play as well this year and then got benched in the Super Bowl, but he was a key cog to, to their run these last three or four years. And my first reaction is none of it matters. None of it. I, I don't care. Brandon Cooks, Randy Moss, you just change the name. If, if he ends up and, you know, some people have said it's fake news uh, whether Rob Gronkowski gets traded, but I doubt they trade him. But if they did, I don't think it would be that crazy because, again, Belichick bought low in the second round, has ridden him to this Hall of Fame career these last six, seven years. Let's face it. I mean, how many good years does Gronk have left? He looks like Barry Bonds in a NHL goalie uniform out there with so many pads on. He's got the huge elbow guard. Uh, he, he looks like he's an injury two away from never playing football again. So if Belichick were to trade him, I don't think it would be that crazy. But here's what Belichick has done. He, he lost those guys, and they are – I mean, I'm not disputing that those guys weren't important. But he now has two ones, two twos, and a third. So pick 23, pick 31, pick 43, pick 63, and pick 95. If of those five picks, he gets three solid starters and two rotational players – well, again, Belichick isn't just the GM. He's also the coach, the best coach in league history. He can – I mean, they're going to be right back in the mix. Look at the AFC. The AFC is terrible. I've talked about it before in this show. The AFC and the NFC are like different sports. Who does Belichick have to go through? Beat Blake Bortles? Now, that team's good, but again, it's Blake Bortles. And he owns the Pittsburgh Steelers. Like, who's he got to beat? Phillip Rivers in, in a playoff game? John Gruden hasn't coached in nine years. He's going to beat Bill Belichick? I mean, come on. So, he's either going to make a crazy move and trade up to get like Josh Rosen or something. If I was in the NFL, I'd be terrified if that were to happen. I don't think he quite has the juice because is a team going to leave like pick, you know, the Giants they are going to trade all the way back for all those picks. I, I don't know if it makes that much sense, but I, I just think he ends up just taking a bunch of players, filling needs, offensive tackle, running back, receiver. I mean, uh, corner. He can just use all those picks, just restock his team. When's the last time Belichick had two ones? Now, they're not great ones, pick 23 and pick 31. But those are two ones where, I'll tell you who went 31 last year, was Reuben Foster. He was top five linebacker last year. Now, granted, he went number 31 for a reason. He had some issues. But he's a big-time player. Pick 23, I mean, you can get good players in the early 20s. And then, obviously, the two twos he has. I mean, at pick 43, that's the pick that he got for Jimmy Garoppolo. He can get a starting running back right there. A Nick Chubb, a Sonny Michelle, uh, Ronald Jones out of USC. So he can get an offensive lineman, uh, a wide receiver or a corner, and then a running back. Boom, he's got three starters before pick 43. He's still got Tom Brady. If he doesn't trade Gronk, still got Gronk. You know, he's still Bill Belichick. And they'll still win their 12 games, win the AFC East. None of this matters. I, I, I think Belichick... And I saw someone tweet this, maybe it was Albert Breer, maybe it was Ian Rappaport, that people around him have said that he gets more joy now in the offseason, or, or as much joy in the offseason as the during the regular season. And to me, that makes perfect sense. The regular season's too easy for him. Like, he, he he's going to go 12-4 and four or 13-3 and three with his eyes closed. I mean, he kicks the shit out of his own division. Uh, he knows maybe he has one tough playoff game of the two and then just take your chances in the Super Bowl. 
to me, the offseason somewhat of a challenge. Like, who can I fleece now? Oh, desperate less need? Let's get his first-round pick. Let's, let's go do it, you know? Every year it's something. Last year it was trading. It was trying to trade Malcolm Butler for Brandon Cooks. He ended up trading pick 32 for Brandon Cooks, and he got seven touchdowns out of Brandon Cooks, and he flips them a year later. No, no one's better at it than Bill Belichick. Uh, he, he's, he's the steroid version of Bill Walsh. No one's ever bought lower and sold higher consistently better and had more power because he was also the coach than Belichick. Some coaches are good about doing it on offense or good about doing it on defense because that's their side of the ball. Belichick's a master at every side of the ball. At offense, he knows the playbook like the back of his hand and he's a defensive guy. Obviously on defense, his resume as a defensive mind speaks for itself. Then even on special teams, what happens this year? John Gruden comes in. Doesn't want Cordell Patterson. Why? Because CP doesn't learn the offense very well. So what does Belichick do? I'll trade for him. And I'll just use him as a kick returner. Because say one thing about Patterson, he's an elite kickoff returner. So Belichick's improved his special teams. With all these picks, his team's going to be a lot younger and cheaper. When you're cheaper, that means you're more flexible. You can make trades when guys become available because you have more cap room. Instead of giving Brandon Cooks 45-50 guaranteed, you now have, you know, uh, James Washington from Oklahoma State at pick 31, who's under a cost control contract averaging a little over $2 million a year. <laughs> you know, there's a big difference between paying a guy $13, $14 million and paying him $2 million. That, that matters in the NFL. And no one understands this better. And it's just, if you like the business elements or aspects of sports and the roster building from an intellectual standpoint, the way Belichick goes about his business, it's a joy to watch. I look forward to the offseason to just see how Belichick is going to fleece some of his peers. And he did it again. Let's get into Josh Rosen and Jim Mora, two Southern California guys. Obviously, Jim Mora had been the head coach at UCLA the last six, seven years. And Josh Rosen, his star quarterback. Jim Mora basically said, now, when you really dove into it, he, he used the word, prefaced it all by the word fit, but he said if he was a Cleveland Browns, he would take Sam Darnold. And my number one takeaway was, who says something about you matters? I, a couple years ago, was fired in radio. I had a guy look me in the eye and say, you're not good enough. We're going to replace you. And, you know, it's like it's human nature, pretty big blow to your ego. And then... Nine months later, the guy that replaced me, uh, both on the radio and the executive, were both canned. It turned out they weren't good enough, and they were the idiots, and now I'm working for Colin Coward. If Warren Buffett walked into my office right now and took a look at my finances and said, I'm terrible with money, it might be time for me to reevaluate some finances and how I approach uh, my life with my cash. Now, if... Some business owner walked in that had been bankrupt seven times and can't hold a job to save his life and said the same things. I don't know if it would hold the same weight. So if Bill Belichick gets rid of a player, and let's say he crushes Jimmy Garoppolo on the way out and said, you know, we traded him. We just didn't think he was going to be good enough. The reality is he said the opposite. But just listen to my analogy here. And he could never cut it here. We just didn't feel comfortable paying him. That'd be a pretty big red flag to me. If Hugh Jackson said the same thing, I don't know how much weight I would put under the comments. So when I see Jim Mora 
uh, Sunday. I guess it would have been Monday because it's Monday morning quarterback with Peter King. Uh, actually, right before I went to bed, it came out pretty early uh, before I went to bed on Sunday night. And I saw the comments, and he was ranting and raving about millennials and the way Josh Rosen says I. And my simple thought was, and the people I know in the NFL texting them a little bit this week, I don't know if Jim Moore is that respected around NFL circles. I know he's been a longtime coach, both in now in college for the last several years at UCLA and in the NFL for a long time before that. But I, I think a lot, of, and I know this is the way I look at him, that if football didn't exist, a guy like Jim Mora w- would be a meathead gym teacher. You know, he's not some dynamic, smart guy. Josh Rosen is probably the second most talented guy he had in his time at UCLA. The other one was Miles Jack, uh, who you know had a major knee injury. Otherwise, he would have been a top two or three pick in the draft that year a couple years ago. Le- left school early. It did not end well. And clearly with this Josh Rosen thing, they're button, they've butted heads over the years. But Josh Rosen, because unlike Miles Jack, is more important because he's the quarterback. They struggled to win for three straight years. Josh Rosen had his best statistical season this year. But because Jim Mora, who has nothing, and I repeat nothing, to do with the offense. He couldn't tell you an offensive play to save his life. He is a defensive coach whose defense was statistically beyond terrible this year they were awful so I often hear sometimes when you knock a quarterback like he didn't win enough I'll tell you this one of the main reasons that UCLA did not win this year was not Josh Rosen any UCLA fan would say you know he was damn good this year it was Jim Mora and an inept defensive scheme I mean they were horrendous I don't have the stats in front of me but they were of all the power five conferences they were near the bottom at uh, at run defense. They, they were terrible. And this is not, you know, your Washington State or Iowa State or your Texas Tech, you know, your lower end big five power program in a conference. This is UCLA in the hotbed of recruiting with a star quarterback. And if anything, I look at Josh Rosen's career and I say, you know what? He came out, and I, I have questions about him in terms of, uh, availability, can he stay healthy? But when it comes to talent on the field, I, I don't have many. I've been saying it all along. He's my number one quarterback in this draft. And if anything, he got done a disservice in college playing for a guy like Jim Moore. If he had had a David Shaw, if he had had a, you know, hell, just a Chris Peterson, a high-level college coach, I, I think he would have been on a team that won 10 or 11, 12 games, competed to go to the playoffs. Instead, he had a coach that should never be a coach again, ever. I don't know how he keeps getting these jobs, keeps failing up. Maybe because he looks the part. He's got a famous last name. He is a bad football coach. Not an average football coach, a bad football coach. Resume speaks for itself. And he's a meathead football coach. And usually meathead football coaches do not relate to quarterbacks. Now, I'm an older version of a millennial. I'm on the, uh, the early side of it. I was born in 1984. I feel like millennial has started, you know, gaining this negative connotation whenever you say it. And listen, I'm not trying to toot millennials' horns, but the biggest knock on them always now is they're always asking why. Well, yeah, we've grown up on the internet. We've grown up on information. So when we see things, and it doesn't mean we're always right or we're always wrong, we just question them. My parents, who are baby boomers, 
uh, back when, you know, there were a lot of nuke scares in like the 50s. Uh, it was the 50s, like when they were in junior high or elementary school, they would tell them to get under the desk. Like that would protect them from a nuke. Millennials would ask, what, what the hell are you doing? What a waste of time. And so all these negative knocks on Rosen are, if, if one of the knocks was, you know what? He just wouldn't put in the time in the playbook. I'd go, well, that's a freaking big red flag. But if his knock was, you know, we'd tell him to run all go specials. And he'd say, coach, why the hell are we doing that on second and four? That's not a knock. That's Jim, uh, Jim Moore Jr., meathead PE teacher, who I, I don't know how keeps getting these jobs, who's being paid $15 million to not work, who is your classic coach that is just not very friendly to the media. I'm going to say that in a politically correct way. Just, just kind of an ass to the media when he's the coach. Yet then every time he gets fired, he immediately transitions to the media and puts on this smile. In my book, I like to call that a fraud. And him knocking Josh Rosen, I know this. Just from a pure talent standpoint, the two of them, one as a coach, one as a player, they're not even in the same universe. Does Josh Rosen have red flags? Sure. He couldn't stay healthy to me is my biggest red flag. Him asking why and questioning stuff, I don't have a problem with. So when, if Josh Rosen had just played for Nick Saban or David Shaw or Chris Peterson, and he was saying this stuff, I'd, I'd have some problems with it. But I'll be honest, I, this reflects poorly on Jim Mora, not necessarily Josh Rosen when I, when I see comments like this. Because as my friends in the NFL communities, as me personally, I don't put much stock into what Jim Mora says. And I, I think a lot of people don't realize this, but in NFL draft meetings all over that are going on right now, that'll go on for the next several weeks, kind of putting their board together, getting ready for the draft. One topic of conversation, whenever you're talking about a player, is who's coaching him? Does the guy know what he's doing? Who's his position coach? Who's his head coach? Is he getting proper coaching? Is he in an environment that we respect? And a lot of times in these draft meetings, and again, I've sat in a bunch of them, the answer is often no. And it's not just at, you know, small schools. It's at the big ones. I mean, it could be USC or LSU. Like, do you put much stock into a guy right now that's playing wide receiver and, you know, has 40 catches or 30 catches or something like that at LSU when Ed Ogeron's his head coach? If you think he's a big-time talent, no, you don't. You, if anything, you you have zero respect for, for the program and what they're doing offensively. And I, I think a lot of people around the league just look at it like, yeah, we view Jim Mora as the questionable character, not necessarily Josh Rosen. Let's end on this. This is a big week for Cleveland. Josh Rosen, Josh Allen, Baker Mayfield, Sam Darnold. I, I think maybe one of them might be going either this weekend or early next week. But over these next seven days are visiting the facility. And in the NFL, when I worked in Philly, and I, th- I think every team calls it this, it's called Top 30. And you get 30 visits that you can use on a prospect. That means you fly them in, you get 24 hours. Have them in the facility, meet with your coaches, take them to dinner, do whatever the hell you want with them. It's not usually a physical workout, though, you know, they're not, you're not taking them to the to the bubble if you live in a cold area, if you live in the Bay Area, taking them out to your practice facility. It's it's more just spending time with them, getting to know them intellectually. Uh, it's like a job interview. I mean, it's what it is. You've evaluated the tape. You've seen the numbers at the combine. You maybe even talked to them at the combine, but you're bringing them out. 
And if you're the Browns, I mean, it's, it's by far, these four are your most important. For a lot of teams, if you're drafting in the teens or the 20s, you're bringing out a group of guys that you think might be there. And you can even use it as smoke screens. You can bring guys, because every team in the league is monitoring this stuff. But it, one thing we used to do in Philly is a lot of times bring guys, a lot of teams do this. I mean, I would say imagine every team does this. Bring guys that you might not get in the first round, like second, third, fourth round picks, that you have some character or off-the-field questions on, or even medical questions to get them in the facility. But you've done all this work all fall. You've evaluated the tape. You've talked to their coaches. You've Your scouts have done detective work on meeting with teachers, the high school coaches, the, you name it. You've accumulated all this information. And anyone that owns a business, or if you, if you work in a business, hell, when I was working with the Eagles, or at, when I worked for Fresno State, Sometimes you'd be the first line of defense on an interview. You would help interview a guy. you take him to lunch. And people look a lot different on paper, uh, even on tape, than when you actually meet them in person, right? It happens, I would imagine, to a lot of hires all over America. Guy looks incredible on paper, even some of the work he's done. And then you meet him and you go, oh, I'm not really feeling that. It's really no different in football. Now, obviously, in football, like in a lot of private sector jobs, if what you do, whether you're the top sales guy, whether you're the top quarterback, you know, your tape or your, you know, your, your balance sheet speaks for itself. But if you're very turned off by an individual in person, once you're spending time with someone, that can have a lot of influence and impact on whether you hire that guy, whether you draft that guy. So you see reports that Sam Darnold was the guy. Now it's starting to look like Josh Allen. I would say Josh Rosen, if because his tape is better than both those two guys, that if he were to hit it off with these guys this week, whenever he's there for his 24-hour visit, spending time with Hugh Jackson, especially John Dorsey and Jimmy Haslam, that anyone that has ever interviewed anyone knows that when you sit down with them and spend time, you just feel differently, positively or negatively, about people. Sometimes you don't know exactly why. It's just human nature. So these, this week in Berea, Ohio, is a very big week for the Cleveland Browns because while they may have some idea who they want to draft, these 24 hours of spending it with the guys and asking them the questions they've been waiting to ask them, whether it's on or off the field, getting a, a, a little bit better feel of their football intelligence is going to go a long way to who they're going to pick. I, I mean, I would imagine that all four of these quarterbacks eh, – I'd be, I don't really include Baker in this list because I'd be a little floored if he went number one. But they'd have to do their due diligence to bring him. And I, I'm not discounting uh, the, the fact and the opportunity that Baker would have of just blowing John Dorsey away. I mean, what if Baker just goes there and Elliot Wolf and Alonzo Highsmith, some of the guys, that, some of the executives that he's brought from Green Bay, what if they just go, God, we got to have this. There's something special. You know, what, what if... What if Baker leaves that room and it's just light years better in their minds than the other three guys? And you've seen it before in interview situations that once you get your opportunity to meet face-to-face, it's why they always tell you, you know, you always try to get a face-to-face meeting because it's easy to, you know, delete an email or hang up on a phone call. But if I get a face-to-face and you're confident in your abilities and your ability to sell yourself and you're genuine, uh, you can influence people. And all four of these guys are somewhat salesmen of trying to prove that they're worthy of the number one pick. And John Dorsey and Alonzo Highsmith and Elliot Wolf, 
have spent a lot of time in Green Bay, been around a lot of players, so they have a pretty good idea of what it looks like, especially with quarterbacks. Been around Brett, then obviously been around Aaron Rodgers for the last 10-plus years. They know exactly what, and they know what it doesn't look like. Now, granted, Brett Hundley was a later-round pick, but at one point in time, it looked like Brett Hundley was going to be a first-round pick, and then a senior year, or I guess it was junior year happened, and it was pretty ugly. But my ultimate point is that anytime you get a face-to-face with someone, whether it be football or whether it be in other you know, aspects of life, you can have a huge impact. You can change someone's mind. So I would imagine whenever that number one pick happens and they give the press conference the next day, that they'll mention, whether it's John Dorsey, whether it's Hugh Jackson, whether it's Jimmy Haslam, hell, whether it's whatever quarterback they end up taking at number one. That I knew when I left that facility that we, we were in a very good place. Maybe the quarterback says. Maybe John Dorsey goes, I, I knew at dinner we had something special. I, I really think, and it's crazy because it's only 24 hours and you're going to hopefully have one of these guys for the next 10 plus years. But these 24 hours, one of these guys in his trip will go a, go a long way to being the major reason that they're the next quarterback of the Cleveland Browns. Well, I'm going to wrap that bad boy up. Three and out. John Middlecoff on the Colin Coward Podcast Network. I appreciate everyone listening. Go to iTunes, subscribe, rate, and in the review section, leave a question. Uh, We talked about Patrick Mahomes to start this podcast. I think he's going to be a baller. Uh, I think 29 touchdowns, 14 picks. Leave any questions, college or pro, and we will get to them throughout the show. I appreciate everyone listening. Keep subscribing to the show. Keep listening. And I'll see you next week. Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere. Like at your pregame barbecue. While you prep your meats, that grease trap you forgot to empty is prepping to smoke your porch, garage, and the car inside. And without the right home and auto insurance coverage, the cost to repair this could eat up your savings. So bundle home and auto with Allstate to save and get protected from mayhem like this. Bundled savings variant are not available in every state. Coverage is subject to policy terms and conditions. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bob Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Pluma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds from Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club. With your Amex card, entertainment benefits like special ticket access and pre-sales to select can't-miss events while supplies last, make every tap music to your ears. With the Wells Fargo Active Cash Credit Card, you can earn unlimited 2% cash rewards on purchases you want and purchases you need. That means you earn on what you want, like trying out that new workout class and 2% cash rewards on what you need, like a foam roller for your sore muscles. That's the beauty of the Active Cash credit card. It's ready when you are with unlimited 2% cash rewards. The Wells Fargo Active Cash credit card. That's real life ready. Terms apply. Learn more at wellsfargo.com slash 
Active Cash.